Confessions of American Christians Recovering from American Christianity. This is The World We Made. Nathan Opperson, your humble and obedient host, welcome you to The World We Made. I'm joined by Pastor Jacob Mensel. Now, today, we're going to just rip the Band-Aid right off and talk about discipline, namely corporal punishment, a.k.a. spanking. It's at the heart of a parent's love of their child, as Tim began to explain. Discipline, like homosexuality, transsexuality, bisexuality, it's a very touchy issue fraught with danger today because of the aggressive hostility of our culture and of our government to anything that is right and good. And so our culture is absolutely opposed to corporal punishment. And we have to start with that reality and recognize it and recognize that there are going to be intense pressures against us doing what Scripture unequivocally commands. You cannot study Scripture on the subject of corporal punishment without realizing that there's no question that it requires parents to apply corporal punishment to their children. If a father or a mother is opposed to that teaching of Scripture, it's going to cause problems in the home. And I'm sympathetic to the fact that many parents who are opposed to corporal punishment are that way because they themselves have been beaten, not disciplined, but beaten. At least as common, they haven't been beaten, but they've been berated. And somebody who's been abused, whether physically or emotionally, by their parents is never going to stop being on guard against any form of abuse and is not going, they're going to be tone deaf. They're not going to know how to distinguish between physical abuse and physical discipline. And so if I, in doing marriage counseling, it's very common for marriage counseling to have the discipline of children at the center of it. And the first question I'll ask the parents is, were either of you abused by any adult, but particularly by your parents growing up? Because if I don't know about that abuse, I can't begin to help them. And so the first thing on discipline is we have to look at our child rearing, not just our parents, but any adults. We have to look at our wives and we have to see what what we're dealing with in terms of fruit from childhood. And then we have to take that into account as we live our lives. And it may be that you're a man who is married to a woman whose father beat her, her brother. And so she is going to be very tight in what she allows you to do in your home. Now, I know that you're going to want to say at that point, well, what do you mean what, what she allows you to do? Aren't you the head of your home? Yes, you are the head of your home, and she may not allow it. And those truths aren't mutually antithetical. My word to those who have either they or their spouse have grown, have grown up in an environment that's abusive somehow, it can be that they grew up in foster homes can be that they were the one adopted child and a Christian. There can be any number of reasons why they did not grow up in a home where they were loved and that the discipline was the proof of the love. If that's the case, you have to address that. Now, how to address it? You need to talk to people about it, talk to your pastor, talk to an older Titus II woman if you're a woman, to the elders if you're a woman or a man. But you have to get to the point where you're willing to say, by faith, I accept the command of God that I am to spank my children. If you are unwilling to do that, you cannot begin to do discipline well.
Now let's stop right there and recount the famous verses on the subject. Proverbs 13, 24. He who withholds his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him diligently. Proverbs 22:15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. The rod of discipline will remove it far from him. Proverbs 23, 13-14. Do not hold back discipline from the child. Although you strike him with the rod, he will not die. You shall strike him with the rod and rescue his soul from Sheol. But Jake, I read an article on the internet saying that actually the rod in these verses is a metaphor for accountability or general correction or blah, blah. I'm sorry, I can't even do this. Scripture is really pretty clear about this. And the the people who want to get around it are just kind of dumb. They're dumb. Look, when it says the rod, guess what it means? It means the rod. You mean when it says when it says the rod, it means the rod? It means the rod. Okay. That Hebrew word there for rod, it means rod. And the Hebrew word there for strike, guess what it means? What? Uh, strike? Strike. That's right. <laughs> okay, strike. <laughs> <laughs> there are other verses that use the same Hebrew word for rod. Yeah. Uh, wisdom is found on the lips of him who has understanding, but a rod is for the back of him who is devoid of understanding. That's Proverbs 10, 13. A whip for the horse, a bridle for the donkey, a rod for the fool's back. That's Proverbs 26, 3. Sounds like the rod is pretty much uh, generally used to talk about a rod. Yeah, but you know how people are. They do all kinds of mental gymnastics just to avoid the plain, obvious meaning of scripture. Which in this case is uh, pretty plain and obvious. Of course, Tim wasn't saying that spanking is the only kind of discipline, but... I do believe that if you're unwilling to, or if you make excuses for why you don't, well, you know, we try to use positive reinforcement. We believe in behavior mom. You know, Jim Dobson says you should only spank when there's intentional rebellion. So many things that people say as a way of putting the burden of proof on anyone who does spank. And the minute that happens, you're unbiblical and you're in rebellion against God. God is not for swearing physical discipline of us as adults. God uses physical discipline with us. I remember a pastor I'd worked with, he told me one day he was just had an accident in a parking lot, a shopping center. And then he laughed and he said, you know why it happened? I said, why? And he said, well, because I was looking at a woman's body. And he said, so God did it to me. Now, it wasn't his body that God spanked. It was his car. But a lot of men, their relationship with their car is more their body than their own body is. <laughs> <laughs> so um, that's the first thing is we have to be that ab- Objective, that concrete, that numerical, that measurable, that blunt, that literal in submitting to God, we will spank. Why is there a anti-spanking study that comes out every six months or so that offers definitive proof that it's it's wrong and terrible? Well, look, scholars are not to be trusted. They're not to be trusted in my discipline, which is history. You know, you read secondary sources and then you read the primary sources and, and you go cross-eyed. Did they read the same thing I just read <laughs> and they wrote that about it? <laughs> Sociologists, psychologists, anthropologists. I mean, you're talking about disciplines that the entire structure of the discipline is set up in such a way as to deny things that have been obvious to everyone who's lived from Adam till today. You know, you remember what Mark Twain said, the three kinds of lies, lies, damned lies, and statistics. Ultimately, what you have to decide is whether your knowledge will trump the Word of God or whether the Word of God will trump your knowledge. 
okay? Now, people won't like me saying that because they'll say, well, why can't it be both and? And I say, because it's just like a marriage. There's always a leader. And either that leadership flows from God's decree, which is he created Adam first and then Eve, and he placed residually in, in, in the man his fatherhood, or it flows from who has the strength of will and the loudest mouth. Well, the same thing is true when it comes to any discipline. Either God is true and all men are liars, or we are adrift and blown hitherto and thus forth by every strong wind that comes. And I've lived long enough to know that you just simply can't trust scholars. You just can't trust them. I can't tell you all the things that people have announced in my lifetime as certainties that turned out to be entirely wrong. And the thing that kills me is when they announce that it's wrong, they never say we were so stupid, <laughs> you know? It's just the new truth. And you're supposed to take that and not remember that that new truth two days ago was laughed at. I know that people will think I'm an ignorant Christian. I'm benighted, I'm stupid, but I mean, honestly, they ain't got nothing on God and his word. You know, I have never, ever, ever, ever read, preached, obeyed the word of God and felt regret, never. And I can tell you, I think it was George Bernard Shaw, he says, you know, when it comes to the discipline of children, actually corporal punishment is the least painful. Now I have not, I've looked for this a couple of times. I don't know where he says this and I might have it wrong, but I have a pretty good memory for this stuff. He says, of course, I'm grossly paraphrasing. What is the most painful discipline? Well, it's guilt tripping. It's, it's refusing to give to your child the affirmation that your child deserves. It's all the other ways that we manipulate children emotionally in order to not spank them. And the thing I say in the book, you know, I go through very detailed specifics about how to give a spanking. Because I'm convinced that if you're willing to give a spanking, then you'll do all other forms of discipline well. If you're unwilling to ever spank, none of your other discipline will be good. Isn't that weird? And I remember so many times where I have seen, you know, at Walmart, in the church, at potlucks, in small groups, people unwilling to apply corporal punishment to their children. And so their children never escape the guilt tripping and oppressive manipulation and, and relational ugh, of parents with their children if they won't spank. To heck with all these scholars. I don't give you a plug nickel for them. I don't know why we read them. I don't know why we listen to them. You go examine their children and our children when we're done raising them. And then in a double blind, I get let you choose which children you want to have your children marry. Who cares? I don't care what they say. But we have to recognize that's the climate we live in. And so we have to face down the fears and say, by faith, I will use corporal punishment. Well, can you go ahead and walk through that for people? Tell us everything we wanted to know about spanking. Well, okay. I don't know why, but when I was writing the book, it just occurred to me that discipline in our home was like a worship service. We had an order of worship that we observed scrupulously. I recommend this to fathers especially, so that it protects them against disciplining out of anger. We should always be, in some sense, angry at our children when we discipline them. We should not feel nothing about their violation of the order that God has ordained that they are to obey their parents.
So Tim says, always angry with our children when we discipline them. What does he mean by that, Jake? Here's the thing. Tim's not saying we should lose control. He's not saying we should be out of control with our kids. What he is doing is he's pushing up against the idea that we should be dispassionate and disengaged when our kids harm themselves, when they sin against God, when they sin against us. And God expresses himself when his children are disobedient in scripture, he's displeased and he expresses himself in terms of anger. If God didn't care about his kids, his children, if he did not care about his own glory, if he did not care about the harm that his children were doing, then he could be dispassionate. If he does, there is some kind of anger there. Now, that doesn't mean that his anger in in disciplining his children is out of control or vindictive. It's meant to correct them because of his love. And that's the kind of anger that we need to have and express towards our children. They should feel the heat of our displeasure. They should feel that something is at stake, that something matters. They should feel that, and we should feel that. If we don't, it's it's not because we are are masters of self-control. It's because we don't actually love our children. So just to be absolutely clear, if I'm a horrible, abusive dad, you're definitely giving me permission to be exactly (laughs) like that, right? No, and and people are going to hear this, and they're going to give themselves a free pass to be abusively angry. That is not what we're talking about here, though. What we're doing is pushing up against the idea that in order to discipline effectively, you need to be a dispassionate robot. No, that's not effective discipline, in fact. That communicates to your kids that you don't care and you don't actually love them and you're just going through the motions. Our kids need to feel that heat of displeasure. They need to feel that heat of anger just a little bit, just enough that they know that we're serious, that we care, that we mean what we say. A worship service. But you have to start with your call to worship, where you get up and you read a text from Scripture that commands us to worship God. And in in this case, in discipline, it is saying to the child, your mother called you to the table, you have not come. If you don't come, I will spank you. Now, I wouldn't always do that. I'd just say, your mother called you to the table. And our kids knew that that meant that I was observing their obedience. And they knew that if they didn't obey, they would be spanked. But if you say, if you don't come now, you will be spanked. Sometimes you might say, come on, stop the game and come. This, in other words, don't don't turn me into a stick figure that it was always spanking. Spankings were so rare, you know, except for one child uh, who they had to be much more often with that child. But well, then if they don't come immediately, no counting. Doug Wilson is so helpful in a sermon he gave one Sunday evening I listened to on tape. He said, if your children require you to count to 10 or 3 before they obey, it's because you taught them not to obey until you count to 3 or 10. So no delay, no delay. Obedience delayed is disobedience. You do what you're told when you're told it, okay? So many parents spend their lives dealing with delayed obedience, and there's no reason for it. If they have children who don't obey right away, it's because they told their children don't obey right away. So anyhow, if they don't obey right away, then it's straight to the bedroom. Now notice, it's not outside in the living room or the kitchen. It's not in the bathroom. It's back in my bedroom. And the reason is, I don't want them to suffer the indignity of being disciplined in front of other people. I wouldn't want that. And so why should I do that to my children? So I take them in the bedroom, and I do it very directly. Okay, come to the bedroom. Well, they start to whimper. You know, they know what's coming, right? Shut the door. Immediately sit down and spank them. Immediately. None. Now, do you know why daddy has you in the bedroom? All right, come on over and sit down. Now, you know that this hurts daddy more than it hurts you. (laughs) 
Now, you know I can't let you... Shut up and spank. Okay? Just shut up and spank. The point of it is not for you to blather on and make yourself think you're such a good father. The point is, give physical punishment, and it's over. And that's why spanking is so beautiful. It's because there's no manipulation, there's no guilt trip, there's no withholding of affection. There all of which, all of which is inevitable if you don't just do it yeah, straightforwardly. It's, it's just gonna happen. And You're it's so going depressing to, to see parents that manipulate their children. Yeah, it's so gross. It's so it's disgusting. It's so gross. And then oppress everybody else and tell everybody else how they need to be manipulating yeah. their children the way that they yeah. manipulate their children. Yeah, and they feel superior because they manipulate their children. And when you spank, you better have it fully in your mind that God spanks you. Yep. And that when you spank your child, you are giving God permission to spank you. Now, I don't really mean that. He doesn't need permission. But how can you not be aware of the fact that you are confessing your faith that God is a good father over you and that he will deal with you in your sin? And that's helpful to tell your child, you know that I get disciplined by God. I would hope that that pastor friend of mine went home and told his son that he had hit a car because he'd been looking at a woman. Well, before the spanking is over, you have to know whether or not your child is submissive or rebellious. Because when you give a spanking, he will either arch his back or he will be pliable. And if my child ever arched his back and was resistant and screamed too loud, now I know you're going to think I'm a monster for saying this, but that too loud screaming is an act of rebellion. And the reason you're disciplining is to bring them back into submission to their mother. And typically that's what a father spanks for. Typically your children will obey you much better than they'll obey their mother. And so you are guarding the dignity of motherhood by disciplining your child. When it comes to discipline, they may not turn their noses up at the love of their father in spanking them, because it is hard to do, and I don't like it, and I don't want to have to spank my child. And so if my child punishes me for doing something so hard, then it's double whammy on him. But let's assume, because I would say that out of maybe a hundred spankings I gave as a father, I would say probably only one of them ever was the child resistant when I got done spanking. Now, there is another case where the child wasn't resistant, but the child was not yet obedient. But that's a different issue. And, and so 99 times out of 100, your spankings, when you're done, that child loves you more than than any other time of their life. Now, I know that if you don't have faith, and I say that, you're scowling at me. You're you're scornful. You're you're you think I'm an idiot. You think what I said is ludicrous. But I guarantee it's true. If you have a healthy relationship with your father, when he gets done spanking you, that's the time you love him most. And the reason is because you know that no love that he's given you has been nearly as costly as that love. And so then you hug them and love them and you say, I love you, Joseph. <laughs> oh man, I know you're a sinner and so am I, but boy, do I love you. And there's nothing insincere about it. You have to get that out of you right then because it was hard what you did. And so there needs to be bonding. And then I typically didn't pray with them. I didn't talk to them about their soul or anything. I think they always knew it was about their soul. And we had devotions anyhow, most times, half the times. So then you go out to the table and it's over. It's over. There's no guilt tripping. There's no moping. There's no brother or sister at the table feeling superior to you. It's over. And so that's the benediction. 
And so there's the call to worship where you say, your mother told you to come. There may be a prayer of confession where if you don't come, I'm going to spank you. Then there's the go back to the room, shut the door, and sit down. And then there's the 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 sacrament of the sermon, which is wop, 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 wop. And never is it for show. If you're not really hurting your hand as you hit, then you're not really hurting your child. And you better figure out how to hurt a child that has diapers on. And the way you do that is I use my hand and I make sure the tips of my fingers are on the leg. My palm may be on the diaper, but the tips and it's going to stink. I always started with the same thing, which was the electrical plugs of my house. A number of my children would be playing on the floor while I was reading the mail or reading something in a chair, and I would see them, and I don't know how old it would be. I'm going to guess it was probably 10 months, maybe. They'd go over to the plug, and that would be their time to learn the meaning of the word now. When I saw them headed for the plug, I always was happy. And it was not because I'm a sadist. It was because the wonderful thing about discipline is that every time a father gives himself to it, he knows that he is protecting the souls of his home, his wife, his children, the whole world smiles when a father gives himself to the discipline of his children because there is one less need for a hearing in a courthouse. I would see his eyes on the plug and I would say, no! And I would always use a tone of voice that they had never heard from me before so that they would know that that tone of voice was danger and should cause them to jolt. And typically the first time they would jolt and they would look at me and they wouldn't cry ever, but they'd look at me and, well, that was curious. That was something I haven't experienced before. But then the next day they'd be over towards the plug, maybe two days later, and they'd look at the plug and I'd go, no. And it may be the second time, it may be the third, but inevitably what would happen is they would look at me and then they would look at the plug. And the minute they looked back at the plug, I knew I had them. Association complete. That tone of voice goes with that thing on the wall, right? So I would say no, and maybe that would cause them to leave it alone that time, but then the next day would come and they'd look at it and then they'd look at me without me saying no. And then they'd look back and I would say no. And then they'd look at me and then they'd look back at the plug and then they would crawl to touch the plug. (laughs) It always happens the same way. It's really funny. And so I would say no again. And they'd sit back down and crawling and look at me and look at the plug. And then I would let them reach out to touch the plug. And the minute their hand got within a couple of inches of the plug, I would go over. And yes, I'm I'm normally a very nice man, but I would hit their hand very hard. Now, why very hard? I knew if I hit their hand very hard that I would never have to teach it again. And I actually like only having to teach something once. And so I'd hit their hand very hard. They would scream. Their mother would know what had just happened because she would, she's been through this with other children. She knows what's going on. But guess what? Without exception, never, ever, ever again did I have to hit that hand. But the minute that note comes out of my mouth, they don't just remember it's about the plug, but they remember it's about pain. That's it. Now, isn't that a wonderful way to teach the word no? But now I can use it for tipping over a wine glass. I can use it for taking a toy from another child that's playing with them. I can use it all kinds of times. And really, there's no word that's more useful for a little child than the word no, right? 
If you live your life for the approval of your children, for their friendship, for the approval of your wife, for the approval of your in-laws, your father and mother-in-law, you will be an absolutely worthless father. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not saying do the opposite. We're just saying don't think about it. Yep. Don't think about what other people think. But Jake, sometimes as a dad, there's going to be drama with your family, even with your wife about this kind of stuff. Yeah, that's right. And that's why we're going to talk about it more next week. The World We Made was produced and executive produced by Nathan Alberson and Jacob Menzel. You can find more great content at warhornmedia.com or find us on social media under at warhornmedia. Hey, everybody. If you enjoyed today's program, be sure to go to patreon.com forward slash out of our minds, where you can sign up to support out of our minds, which is the home for the writing of Tim Bailey and many others on our very own warhornmedia.com. It's also the home of this very podcast. Also, be sure to listen to me and Jake's other podcast, Sound of Sanity. Each week, Jake, myself, our beloved engineer, Ben, and the kooky denizens of Sanityville take you on a kaleidoscopic comedic journey through sex, family, church, culture, and pop culture. There's skits, songs, debates, and some good old-fashioned preaching all designed to remind you that you, Christian, are the sane one. It's them that are crazy. It's a show that's come a long way from its humble beginnings. I really love it. Check it out. It drops every Tuesday on warhornmedia.com or wherever you get your podcasts.